You know, I've sung that song for a long time, and I really like that song. It really uh, can expand my thinking. Roy, put the first verse up there of that song. It, it, just, it just crossed my mind. Um, there's, two, there's two words, I'm sorry, the chorus. Um, yeah, right there. Uh, two words in there that I don't think we all quite fathom appropriately. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. Think about that. Have you ever really thought about our galaxy? Uh, we're going to talk about that today. I can't wait, actually. Um, and, then, and, then we, and then we sing, The universe declares your majesty. You know how big the universe is? I mean, have you ever really thought about it? Because I think sometimes we think that our galaxy is like this space right here. And that our universe is sort of like the United States of America. Seriously, I I think sometimes we really limit our thinking about God. How big is he really? And I hope to expand that thinking of yours a little bit this morning. Um, You know, we're we're talking this morning about essentially an eclipse of faith. You know, an eclipse is, is described as... When uh, the moon gets in the way of the sun, it passes between the earth and the sun, and uh, the light that the moon was or that the sun was giving off is covered over, and and you are going to experience something on the twenty first if you stay in the county, which I hope you do, and um, even if it's cloudy, you will experience darkness at a time when it's not normal for us to experience darkness, you know, and 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 for the United States to experience totality, we. All of us, if you were alive in the 70s, you saw a partial eclipse, okay? We, we had one of those in our country. But it's been over 100 years since the United States has seen a total eclipse. Um, because, and maybe you didn't know this, and, and I don't know that you decided to come to church today for, a, for sort of an astronomy lesson, but you're going to kind of get a little bit of one today. Um, and, and some things that I learned. The moon actually doesn't orbit the earth on a circular. It's elliptical. It's like this. And there, there are only certain times when the moon happens to go in front of the sun when it's the closest to the earth. Because when it's the closest to the earth, it's the biggest, right? And we've had what's called an annular eclipse many times. And that's when the moon is on its furthest distance away from the earth and comes in between the earth and the sun. And you can still see lots of sun around it. But we get to experience something that, honestly, you will, none of us probably, I don't think in this room, unless you drive a long ways in 2024, I guess, on the other end of the United States, there's going to be one, will ever see this again in your lifetime. In your lifetime. And I'm trying to communicate this to my brother. Dude, this is a lifetime thing. Okay? This is a lifetime thing. But, you know, in our lives, there comes those times when, when we have sort of an eclipse that happens in our own life, but it's not an eclipse of the sun, S-U-N. It's an eclipse of the sun, S-O-N. And there's hard things that happen in our life, and, and those difficult struggles and hard things get in the way of us seeing and experiencing God, our creator. They make it dark, And one of the things that we're going to experience on the 21st is a decrease in temperature. Now, we're used to 
huge decreases in swings in temperature in Wyoming, right? It's going to be like in a matter of seconds. It's not normal. Animals are going to behave weirdly, I guess they say. Okay? Um, Everybody got their timer yet? Their eclipse timer? Um, Raise your hand if you actually downloaded an eclipse timer. Oh, there are some eclipse nerds out there like me. I'm excited. We're having a party at our house. I mean, I had people, I'm reserving spots for people in Colorado already that are going to park in front of my house. And I'm hoping that uh, I get to see it, actually. Um, but, but as it relates to our faith, let me just, let me just put some things out here that, that you might be experiencing it even right now an eclipse of faith in your life. Maybe it's a health issue of a family member or yourself personally, and it's, it's, it's clouding. Uh, your experience with God. Uh, maybe it's a sickness of, of a child or a parent or a grandparent or a coworker even. Maybe you have relationship issues. Maybe, maybe you are feeling distant from your husband and wife or, or there's conflict or there's brokenness or there's, there's questions, there's, there's uncertainty. And when, when we focus on those things and they become so big in front of us that they cover over and eclipse how we see God and how we experience him, what, what do we do? What do we do in those moments in time? Well, I read a story last week that I thought would kind of set the scene for today's message. It's by Lauren Casper. She's an author of a book called It's Okay About It. Um, I've not read the book, but I, I read this story and, and I thought it really fit. And, and just think about this person's situation. And maybe it's been true of you, Uh, Maybe it will be true of you one day. Maybe it's true of you right now. I grew up in the church, she says, as the saying goes. Every week we attended Sunday school in the worship service. In the summers we went to VBS. We took our first communion classes and then two years of confirmation class. I was in the youth group in high school and we said grace before meals. Faith was stitched into the fabric of our lives. During my growing up years, I don't remember a time not knowing God and believing he was my creator. I don't remember a time that I didn't know Jesus loves me. But as the years passed and as I grew older, I had more questions. But never about whether God was real. I could see him and feel him everywhere and every day, and I could see his son too. I saw the compassion of Jesus in teachers and friends and my parents. I saw his love and service in the way our community did life together. I wondered about evil how it could exist, and why people can be so awful. But somehow I always understood that God wins every time, even when we don't see it right away. I had a rough first year of college. I didn't love the school I'd chosen, and I couldn't wait to transfer out. I was in a relationship that wasn't good for me, and my self-worth was taking a hit. At the close of my freshman year, I ended that relationship and spent the summer a bit lost. One evening, I thought I'd reached the bottom. I didn't like myself very much, and I knew I wasn't making good choices. I sat down on my bed to make a list, because I love a good list, of all the ways I was going to fix my life. I don't remember everything on that list, but I do remember the very first bullet point. God. I had wandered off the path. I had stopped looking for God and seeking him in everyday moments of my life, and the bigger ones too. I had become reliant on myself and on others to give my life meaning, and it wasn't working. I had several other bullet points, though, and I chose to focus on those first. By the end of that summer, I was still lost. 
Throughout the fall semester of my sophomore year, I continued down a path of recklessness, making choices for myself that I knew I'd, re- that I knew I'd regret. By Thanksgiving break, I was absolutely miserable, but you would have never known it. I'm pretty good at putting on a happy face in the midst of hard times. Once again, I sat on my bed in my little apartment. I shared with three other girls. Once again, I started to make a list. And once again, I made that first bullet point. God. This time, though, I didn't keep writing. I just knew that was the answer. I didn't know how. But I knew God was going to be the only thing to help me out of the trench I dug myself. I, I dug for myself. I prayed for the first time in a long time. The ceiling didn't open up. An angel didn't come chat with me in my room. But I felt something. I felt a little bit better. You know, last week we talked about how do we seek the will of God? Through his word, through prayer, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is where she's heading right now. I woke up the next morning. I went to class. I did whatever was next on my schedule. Then I went home and thought a lot about my faith and what it meant to me. I prayed again. Then the next day I went to class and the next day too. And my days went on looking similar for a while. That spring I joined a Bible study on campus and made some really special friends. I started attending a church again and felt my heart grow a little lighter each day. Life with God is better, not easier, not devoid of pain or tragedy or missteps, but it is better. And so it has continued for me, she said. My circumstances don't always change, and we've known hard days, but I've changed, but I've changed, and I'm aware of God's presence in my life. For me, that is the truth. I can go back to when doubt creeps in. God must be real because I cannot deny his work in my life. God must be real because I see him with my heart every single day. The evidence of God is all around me. And that's so true. You know, she talked about how everything around her testified to God's presence. This is true. Jesus, when when he was marching into Jerusalem that last time before he was crucified, everybody is, is, is shouting his name and worshiping him. And the Pharisees came up to him and said, you got to tell him to stop. You got to tell him to stop. Um, they were crying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then in verse 39 of Luke 19, it says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, quiet, the stones will cry out. Today we're looking at how big God is. Is he really big enough to show you that you have hope in life? Is he really big enough to help you and give you the strength to tackle the problems that are in your life right now? Is he really big enough to give you a heart of forgiveness that you need in order to carry on life? Is he big enough to get you through the loss of a mother or a father or a son or a daughter or a grandson? Is he really that big? Yes. The answer, of course, to that question is yes. Yes, but sometimes we just can't see it. Because there's this big lunar object in the way of our view of the sun. 
And we need to be reminded, just as when the total eclipse occurs and we can't see the sun, we know it's still there, right? We know, unless the world ends in that moment, that it's coming back again. And it's going to give warmth once again. Now, God created all things, the Bible says. And this is an amazing fact to me because there is a whole lot of stuff included in all things, right? Galaxies, the universe. Someone once said uh, on a test, um, define the universe and give three examples. Okay, Um, right? Now, the Hubble Space Telescope, and I don't know if you saw the beginning of the countdown video today, but it gave a few pieces of information about the Hubble Space Telescope. Um, It's 360 miles above the Earth orbiting, and and, and it is amazing the pictures that they're getting from the Hubble Space Telescope deep into space. Uh, in fact, past our own galaxy, which I think is cool, all right? Um, Again, uh, it's taking these amazing pictures. One of the pictures that it's taken is this picture right here. That is an actual picture from NASA's website. That's not a rendering. That's an an actual picture that, uh, that, that the Hubble Space Telescope took, and it's called the Whirlpool Galaxy, And it's the darling of astronomy, if you know anything about astronomy. And the reason they call it the darling of astronomy is because that galaxy is perpendicular to our own. So when we look at it, so when you look up into the sky and you see that big streak of stars that goes across the sky, right? That's our own Milky Way because we're looking out through all of the stars and our our Milky Way sits this way and we're spinning somehow in the middle of that. I'm not sure which direction. But when we look out from the earth, we look perpendicular, flat, onto the Whirlpool galaxy. Now, that galaxy uh, is 31 million light years away from us. Well, I got nothing out of you. So here's here's the problem that we have when we start talking about how big God is. It's impossible for us to grasp it. When, you know, when we start talking light years and millions of light years, you just sort of go, uh, I have no box for that. Seriously. Um, that, that galaxy is 31 light years away from us. Now, um, I, I want to, I I'm going to try and catch us up to this, to this measuring tool somehow today. Uh, But I want to go back to the very, 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 very beginning. And I know everybody knows this, but I I just want to remind us all. Genesis 1, 1 and 3 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So get this. God creates the universe, and he doesn't even lift a finger. He speaks And light comes out of his mouth at 186,000 miles a second. That's how fast light travels. 186,000 miles per second. God breathed light. So a light year, and let me do the math for you, a light year is the distance that light travels in a year, which is 5.88 trillion miles. Okay, 5.88 trillion miles is how far you could go in one year traveling the speed of light. 
And this galaxy that we just looked at is 31 million light years away. It's a long ways away. In fact, you know, if you wanted to visit there, um, you would have to hope or some sort of cryogenic stasis, right? I mean, you've all seen it in the movies. Um, I'm sure there are people that are actually trying to accomplish this, but they like put them to sleep and they don't age. So they just like sleep for 150 years and then they wake up and they're there, right? We're here. Um, I watched Lost in Space last couple weeks ago. What a dumb movie. But anyway, um, <laughs> it, was, it was really bad. I, um, anyway, 31 million times 5.88 trillion miles is how far that galaxy is from us. And now a little more info about that galaxy. Um, it's also stunning to me, given that God created all things, all things, in that one galaxy, there are 300 billion stars. Now, I don't know who's counting them or how they figure that out, but there's 300 billion stars in the Whirlpool galaxy. And not only that, they know that there are hundreds of billions of galaxies in our universe. Man, if that doesn't raise the hair on the back of your head, nothing will. Think about how big that is. Billions of galaxies that have billions of stars that are millions and millions, thousands of millions of light years away. So when we think of universe, it's big. When we think of our own galaxy, it's big. Now, Hubble sent back some, some other images, and I think this is really cool. Um, it's a picture of a black hole that's at the very center of the white light that is in, in that Whirlpool galaxy, and that's the picture that you see. Now, from other angles, it looks different, I think. It could be like the cross on the top of Mitchell Berean Church. It doesn't matter where you're at when you're driving down the road. It looks like a cross. But the thing that that just blows me away just about this picture is the fact that the mercy of God, in my mind, that's a cross. And that the mercy of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God is not absent anywhere in the universe. It's everywhere. Everywhere. That's how big God is. And I just am amazed at that. Now, a lot of the information that I'm giving you today I got from listening to uh, Louis Giglio. He did a talk on, on this, and I even forget the name of the talk. But um, I, some of this stuff I had to research because he didn't really fill in all of the blanks. But uh, I want to continue to expand your view of how big God is. Because again, God spoke these things into existence. And I want to look at four stars. Four stars. Just four. Okay. The first star that I want to look at is um, the one that's in our solar system, which is what? It's the sun. Okay? This is the sun. A little more fierce than it looks like with the naked eye, right? The the surface of the sun, they say, is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's 28 million degrees at the core. I don't know how they figure that out, but, you know, they're scientists. They, They make estimations and that sort of thing. This was, I thought was really cool. Did you know that the Swedish government is going to send a manned spaceship to the sun? 
They're going at night, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad you thought that was funny, because I really did. Um, so here's how big our sun is. Okay, our sun is 93 million miles away. Again, uh, when we talk about the universe and space and stars and how big God is, inches, feet, tape measures, miles, honestly, we have to go to light years, and even then we have trouble grasping it. There is no way to measure how big God is. But, but our sun is 93 million miles away. It takes eight minutes for the light and heat from the sun to get to our skin right here. It takes eight minutes for that to occur. Um, if the sun were hollow, you could fit a million earths in it. Wow, yes. I got one wow at least. So what I want to do this morning is I want to represent the size of the earth with a golf ball. Okay, find yourself on it. Can you see yourself on the earth? Okay, if the, if the earth were a golf ball, okay, and I, because of the wedding and stuff, this is pretty close. If the earth were a golf ball, this, the, uh, the diameter of the sun would be 15 feet. Okay, so this isn't quite 15 feet high. I think it's around 14. But if, if the earth were a golf ball, that's how big the sun is. It's the only star in our solar system. Not our galaxy, but it's the only star in our solar system. And the earth is just the right distance from the sun so happened, I don't know how that happened, to sustain life. If we were, I don't know, I didn't research this, but I know that if we were closer or further, we'd either freeze to death or we would cook. I don't know how many miles that is. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know. But God put us here. God spoke us into existence. God breathed the sun that size into existence. Now, Psalm 33, 6 says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Without lifting a finger, God spoke it into existence. That's how big your God is. And this is how small you and I are. I mean, Horton, there's like a who on here probably, maybe. I, I don't know, Right? Um, let's look at the second star. The second star's name is Betelgeuse. It doesn't look incredibly huge. It's, uh, I think it's that one right there, the biggest one in this particular photograph. Um, Betelgeuse is 3,000 light years away, still in our galaxy, 3,000 light years away. The, here's, the next picture shows an actual picture of, of Betelgeuse. Okay, it looks a lot like our sun, right? That's, uh, that's Betelgeuse. Um, and that picture comes again from NASA's website Betelgeuse is 427 light years away that star is twice the size you would think the sun right no that star is twice the size of the earth's orbit around the sun 
Holy cow. Again, I, every time I, I mention this, you need to think God created this. God spoke this into existence. That's the God who loves me, who knows how many hairs are on the top of my head. Created that. Okay? Now, Beetlejuice, uh, let's see, another thing about Beetlejuice, let's see. If the earth were a golf ball, uh, Beetlejuice would be the height of six Empire State buildings stacked on top of each other. So, you know, we fly to New York, you take your golf ball, you go down, you set it down on the sidewalk. Don't worry about people thinking you're weird because they don't care in New York City. Um, You look at your golf ball, you find yourself on your golf ball, and then you imagine five more Empire State buildings stacked on top of the Empire State building. That is how big that star is. In fact, you can fit 2.7 quadrillion Earths inside of Beetlejuice. There's a number I haven't used yet. Right? Quadrillion. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. That's the next star. Beetlejuice you could, would, would only hold 262 trillion Earths. Sorry, I jumped ahead in my notes. Okay, now we can't see God, but we can see what he's capable of. And, and, and the more advanced our technology gets and the deeper into space they can look, the more in awe we should be. The third star, this is the one where I use the word quadrillion, right? The third star is called Musefi. It's that one right there. And Musefi is 3,000 light years away, still in our solar system. All these stars are actually not our solar system, our galaxy. Um, This thing, Musefi, is enormous, okay? I mean, if Earth were a golf ball, Musefi would have the diameter, the same diameter would be the width of two Golden State bridges stacked end to end. Now again, I, I want you to think about this. I'm trying, to help you, I'm, I'm trying to help you realize how big God is and how big these stars are. Um, two golden, golden State bridges stacked end to end would be not quite seven miles, I think. I thought I put this in my notes, but I don't see it. Um, I didn't put it in here. Uh, it's almost seven miles, I think. No, it's not. That's not right. It's less than that. Um, let's say four. Anybody Googling it right now? I'm surprised. Anyway, when you find it, yell it out, and I'll tell you. <laughs> um, you could fit 2.7 quadrillion Earths into Musefi. That's where the quadrillion number comes from. Okay? Now, again, I know it's really hard for us to understand millions and billions and trillions and quadrillions because, you know, I mean, I I have trouble with, you know, how much it costs me to make my house payment every month. And, uh, you know, you you hear the government talk about the national debt being like $17 trillion, and it's just like, there's no way to even comprehend that. That's kind of a fun one to Google. Images of the national debt in $100 bills. Google that. Look at an image of that. Um, It is over a football field long. These are $100 bills on pallets, taller than the Empire State Building. That's a lot of $100 bills. 
okay? Um, so a quadrillion, what is a quadrillion? Uh, a million, or a, a billion is a thousand million, a trillion is a thousand billion, and a quadrillion is a thousand trillion. Again, I see blank stares because there's just no way, right? So let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Um, let's think about it in seconds. See, let's just see if this helps a little bit. Okay, how long ago do you think a million seconds was? Three days. Somebody said three days. It was 12 days. A million seconds is 12 days ago. Okay, how long ago do you think a billion seconds was? Huh? Okay, uh, let's, okay, let me, let me just give you a date then. February 1986. Okay, is a billion seconds. You know, maybe you were thinking last year, you know, that sort of thing. Um, of course, then there's these smart people in the front row that are actually con- doing math in their head. Um, what about a trillion seconds ago? Christopher Columbus, maybe, you know, um, a trillion seconds would have been 29,700 B.C. These are seconds we're talking about, okay? A quadrillion seconds. When do you think that was? And again, even in seconds, it's like crazy. 30,800,000 years ago. Before, yes, before creation. Exactly, right? So Musefi isn't even the biggest star that we've, that we've found. People are doing math and stuff. We have one star left, and it's the biggest, so far at least, that we've discovered. And it's called Canis Majoris. Okay, that is Canis Majoris. I could show you a picture of a close-up, but I don't, number one, I don't know if they have one. And it looks just the same as every other star, because these are all red stars. Um, that is Canis Majoris. Isn't that a great name? Seriously, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't know Greek or Latin, but I think Canis Majoris means the big dog star. Right? The big dog star. Canis Majoris is almost 5,000 light years away from the Earth. Again, still in our galaxy. Our galaxy is between 80,000 and 100,000 light years wide. That's just our galaxy among billions of galaxies. If the Earth were a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest. This is a, an object, okay? A real object, Canis Majoris, that God created, that he spoke into existence. And if you took your golf ball and you climbed to the top of Mount Everest and you set it there, and, and again, that's where I got this number. Mount, Mount Everest um, is almost six miles high. You could fit seven quadrillion Earths inside Canis Majoris, if it were hollow. (laughs) 
Okay, let's, let's, let's look at another comparison. Roy, roll it. Um, here's, a, here's a little video to just show us uh, kind of the, the stars on our planets. That's our Earth's moon. Mercury, Mars, Venus. Then there's our Earth. Notice Pluto wasn't included. Um, then there's Neptune, again, still in our solar system. Saturn without its rings. Keep an eye on the Earth. There's Jupiter. Oh, Earth is gone. Okay, this is the, our own sun. And that blue is not Earth. That's Neptune. Then Sirius. Plug for satellite radio. Then Pollux. Arcturus. Aldebaran, which we didn't talk about. Regal, which I think is a really cool name for a star. Then Pistol, again, we didn't talk about this one either. Antares A, Antares Cousin, oh no, Musefi, we talked about that one. And then Canis Majoris, the largest known star. Now, if I had a Sharpie in my hand, and I came up here to the screen next to Musefi, right here, I could not put a small enough dot on the screen with the Sharpie to represent our Son, I'm telling you, the universe is big. Our galaxy is big. And God spoke it into existence. Now, when I've been thinking about this, my world, my life, myself, my earth has been sort of shrinking this week. But here's the thing it's not a bad shrinking. What this does is puts me into perspective of how big my God is. And when he says he loves me and he wants me to be his child adopted into his family. What does that mean? It means a being bigger and greater than even the reality of life in our universe that we could even imagine. Loves me. And when you are facing something really hard and really difficult, you need to think about this golf ball and you need to think about how big your God is. Who breathes matter at the speed of light and creates stars bigger than we can even ever get our hands around. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Louis Giglio shared a story in this message that he did at the end, and I want us to, to watch this. It's six minutes long, but he's going to take us into communion. He didn't in the talk, but it does take us to communion today. Um, I, I want us to watch this. Long story short, the tour was winding down. Last time around, we were in Tyler, Texas. The night was over. A guy walks up to me. I wish I could tell you the whole story. It was so of God. Introduces himself to me. Says, how are you doing? I just want to say hello. I said, it's nice to meet you. He says, you guys winding the tour down. Uh, where are you going to go from here? I said, well, I'm on my way back home to Atlanta, Georgia. He said, well, what's next for you? I said, I'm going to be preaching the next two Sundays for my pastor back in Atlanta. He said, oh, cool. What are you preaching on? I said, well, the series is on the glory of God in the human body. 
He said, that's really amazing. I'm a molecular biologist at the university down the road. G- give me your talk. And I was like, oh, wow. I wasn't quite yet ready to unload the talk for a molecular biologist. So I kind of stumbled through what I had and he's kind of being kind and gracious and like, "Uh uh-huh, that's good. And then he says, well, what's your big left hook? You gotta have a left hook, a big finish, right? I said, I don't have a left hook yet. He said, oh, Louie, oh man, your left hook is laminin. And I'm I'm totally blank on laminin. He goes, Louie, it's a cell adhesion molecule, protein molecule. Do you know about proteins? I'm like, no. He said, Louis, cells organize into certain molecular structures and that determines what protein there are. There are between 10 and 60,000 proteins in the human body. We don't even know how many proteins are in the human body, but one of them is a cell adhesion molecule. It's organized into this certain structure and that tells the cell what its job is in the body. And this one is a cell adhesion molecule. And I'm like, All right. He said, no, Louie, it's like the rebar of the human body. The steel they put in the concrete when they lay the foundations of things, it's that stuff. It's it's holding your membranes together. It's the glue of the human body, Louie. It's laminin. you got to tell them about laminin. And I'm like, I promise you, I'm going home and tell them about laminin. And I'm sure when I do, revival is going to sweep across the church and probably around the world when I tell them. He said, no, 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 no. you got to see laminin like, okay, let's see it. He said, no, 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 you need to go look it up online. You need to go Google laminin. Like, I don't even know how to spell laminin. <laughs> Takes his card out, he writes on the back, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. I'm like, okay, I cannot wait to get to my computer and get on Google, click on images, type in laminin, and I'm waiting, and these little thumbnails come up on the screen, and I'm like, That's laminin, the cell adhesion molecule. Woo! (laughs) I am so excited. I am beside myself. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I love laminin. I'm so fired up. (laughs) You should see laminin, I guess. That's the thing, right? Okay. Here is a scientific diagram of the laminin cell adhesion molecule that's holding your body together right now, okay? This is what I found right here. No, come on, that's crazy. That's just crazy. I just can't believe it. I emailed that guy back so fast, I'm like, wow, 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 what in the world? He said, you want to see an actual laminin molecule? I'm like, oh no, man, the diagram was cool for me. I'm happy with that. Don't, don't bother sending anything else. I'm like, yes! <laughs> and he sends me this image, an electron microscopic image of an actual laminin protein molecule. It looks just like this. how crazy is that? That the stuff that holds our bodies together, that's holding the lining of your organs together, holding your skin on, is in the perfect shape of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And immediately I'm thinking about the words of Paul in Colossians 1. You know this beautiful passage where Paul's talking about the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. He says, for by him, talking about Jesus Christ, all things have been created, things in heaven and things on earth. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. But then the next verse goes on to say this. It's crazy. And he, Jesus, is before all things. And in him, that is, in Jesus Christ, all things hold together. It's right, it's right there. I'm like, of course they do. Of course they do. Everything holds together in Jesus Christ. And he goes on at the end of this paragraph, and he just tells the story of grace. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. So from the very big to the microscopic in Christ all things hold together your God the God that loves you the God that created you that created our galaxy as big as it is and billions of other galaxies died for you shed his blood which is represented by the cup Surrendered his body to be broken, represented by the bread. And Jesus told his disciples, he's like, hey guys, I want you to do this in remembrance of me until I come again. He commanded us to partake of communion. And so we do. He broke the bread with his disciples on that last Passover night. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And they all partook. And he passed the cup around. And he said, guys, this represents the blood that I will shed for you. All of it. He died for us. And in in taking a piece of bread and in drinking the cup, we celebrate and remember and lift up and honor the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And when you think that life is more than you can handle, I want you to remember four stars in a galaxy and remember that God spoke those into existence. They're further than we could ever see or travel. And yet that same God came to the earth and died on your behalf has power over death, nature, created it for crying out loud. And you can have hope in whatever difficult thing it is that you're in. You can have praise in whatever, whatever wonderful thing that it is. And a really, 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 really big God. I read last week, again, God put some of these things just in front of me. Uh, an article about uh, Stephen Hawking. Brilliant man. The article was titled, Stephen Hawking, Afraid of Aliens. 
He's deathly afraid of aliens. I mean, I don't know. Maybe in some distant galaxy an alien exists. I mean, I, could, there's, I can't prove it or I can't disprove it. But if he could only know Jesus Christ, in whom there is no fear, there's hope and there's life, His advice was, if aliens contact us, let's not return the call. We just don't want to go there, he said. So this morning as we do this last song and the, uh, the servers come forward, they're going to pass the bread. As a Christ follower, take a piece of bread and they're going to pass the cup, take a cup. And after you've worshipped, you've prayed, and you've thought celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. And seriously, the fact that, that he doesn't want us just to, to worship him as this big distant God, but he calls us into a relationship with him. One where the things that we say and the prayers that we cry out to, we know that he hears us and that he speaks to us and that we see him present in all the things around us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for modern science and the ability to see distant into our universe and <laughs> your universe. Help us, Lord, as we leave here today to have gained a different perspective of how big you are. And maybe that makes us feel small, but I pray, Father, that as we feel small, that it would be a reverent fear of you knowing that if you are for us, who can be against us? What could ever be against us? We honor you, we celebrate in Jesus' name.